Christ is risen. Christos vos Christ. Christos anesti. Please be seated. There were so many present to be healed that we doubt that Jesus could touch them. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, this is a fantastic feast today about John the disciples who Jesus loved. And on the icon stand today, the tetrapod, we have the icon of John um, leaning on the chest of Jesus, listening to his heart. It's on the right side. And he learned mysteries. And this was pointed out to us by Holy Father John Paul II in one of his homilies about Jesus resting on the heart, excuse me, John resting on the heart of Jesus, listening to the secrets of his heart. I love it. No one knew the Father as well as Jesus. He was the very revelation of the Father. And no one knew Christ as well, Jesus Christ, as well as John. And I must admit that it's my favorite gospel. Also, it is the most Byzantine of all the gospels and the most sacramental. Many, many, many things are revealed in John's Gospel. And I spent most of my time when I'm studying the Gospels. I don't neglect the others, but I spend most of my time in John. And I do that so that I too can experience the whispers of Christ's heart in my heart. So when you go to pray, I know you pray well. I know you say all your oral prayers that would make a home, a little church, to pray viola, like Paul told us. And I know that St. Paul is a great mystic himself. But John is the incarnation of the thoughts and the heart of Jesus Christ. And he tells us about it. He starts out with the prologue, which is probably a hymn sung in the early church. And then he goes on to tell us about the Holy Eucharist. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, 
you not life, have life in you. Of course, Paul's Eucharistic words are earlier. John's Gospel was later, the experts tell us. Now, that, that Gospel goes on to talk about a wedding, something about the weddings are about the heart. And he goes on to tell us about the wonders of Jesus. And then he spent a long time on the prayer of Jesus. And Jesus in that prayer is talking to the Father. And John is revealing those thoughts so that we might learn this. 14, 15, 16 is in right in that area is the mystery, the mystical mystery of the thoughts of God the Father revealed on the lips of the Son and heard by the ears of, and prayer in the heart of John the Evangelist. Our whole life, our whole spiritual life must be re-entered in, into through our heart. Now the Greek fathers do that very well and the Byzantine theologians. But it's worth to read about it, one thing. It's another thing to experience it. And I'm always telling you to spend quiet time with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and filling your heart with holy thoughts. And sooner or later, the thoughts are inspired by thoughts of our Lord and gifts from the Holy Spirit. It's a magnificent gift to us. But of course, it presupposes that we are free from sin and that the will of God and our will are in harmony like music in a symphony and that he will then come and deify you, giving you not only the life that is his own, the sanctifying life and the divine energy, but teaching you. The Gospel of John is if our Lord himself is teaching us because he revealed to the one he loved his thoughts, his gifts, his hopes for us, our destiny. Now, the first three Gospels are synoptic Gospels. They sort of summarize for us the teaching of Jesus and uh, a little bit about his life and, of course, a great deal about his death. The experts tell us Passion narratives were first written. And then people ask, well, who is this man that died on the cross? And then the apostolic deposit of faith, the redactors put that at the beginning, especially about his mother, his incarnation, that he is the very child of the father, and who his mother is. But the most knowledgeable gospel, not that those are not important, they're very important, 
is John's. We have this great feast day. We have his relic with us. Actually, we have the relic of the 12 apostles and also John. And that was given to me by Monsignor Cadrigan in Troy when he fell asleep in the Lord. I keep it with this, uh, the, um, that beautiful icon in the sanctuary near the altar in the little temple in the, church, in the domestic church we have inside the monastery. I always look at it during the Eucharist, thinking how John told us, this is my body and this is my blood, the words of the Lord to him and to all of us. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, do not have life in you. In other places, he tells us not to be fearful, little flock. I love it. Because we have a lot to fear because of our ancient enemy, the snake that destroyed everything in the garden. And we are always wishing to return to the garden, to that beautiful life that God intended for us. But now we have to go through pain and suffering. And that's meant, it's given meaning because Christ first pained and suffered. It's giving meaning because the teachings of John about his death on the cross and who we are. Who are you? Many a man and woman wants to know who they are. They sit down and they look up their genealogy. I've always been interested in that. That's where everybody came from. I went to Europe a few times just to touch the soil where the Slavs came from, my, my Slavic heritage. Unfortunately, I haven't gone to Virginia because any remnant of the family there is pretty well sort of hidden, but it's in the books. The Colton family is written in the First Families of Virginia, so we're recorded there. But the very spot, I don't know where they're buried or anything like that, due to the great civil war, which destroyed everything and took everything from us, especially we were settled in these colonies in Jamestown and peoples like that. But there are books written. They're not so interesting, by the way, but they're there. But the real book that's written that tells us who we are is John's Gospel. First of all, the first public miracle of Jesus is there at a wedding. It's important. There was a wedding of apostle, but I forget who it was exactly, and one of the 70 or whoever it was. And they're crowned. You see the icon over there on the wall. They're crowned. And Jesus is taking water and turning it into wine. It's a great symbol of a love a man and woman have for each other, something very human, that's turned by to a sacrament, the richness of wine. And wine is always a symbol in the 
New Testament and Old, of God's blessing. So Jesus at the Last Supper took a very symbolic meal, a Seder-like meal, where they blessed water and wine and bread, and he blessed them and said, this is my body and this is my blood. It's no accident that these things come together in John's Gospel. It points out to us right away two sacraments. Interesting. But the most, the heart of what I want to say to you today is the prayer of Jesus in, the, in John's Gospel, where he prays that all of us may be one, as he is with the Father. And because we are one in Christ, and through his body and blood and his death on the cross, and I've preached you many times about that, we are one with the Father. So we are in that community, that family of the Most Holy Trinity, which is the source of all family life and the source of the children, our children and the source of the church. Thus, church are gift to, God's gift to the church. And when people raise children beautifully and gratefully and not complaining about it, they're giving a gift to Christ. Every child is a gift of Christ. Why does he want all these children? He wants them to fill up his body, the church. And they should be beautiful, holy, and fed on the Holy Sacramental Liturgy. Sometimes we forget who we are. Especially we forget who the priest is. He's another Christ, they say in the Western Church. His priesthood is not his own. The priesthood he has is Christ's priesthood. He participates in that, and he calls upon the Holy Spirit, and the body and wine, the body and blood of the Lord become body and blood of the Lord, so that we have his life in us. With that life, we can pray. We can be attentive to it, and we can talk to God in our heart. Your heart is the noetic part of your body where all beautiful things take place. The love of a man and woman, the love of Christ giving us the Eucharist, the love of learning about Jesus Christ in prayer, the love of falling deeper in love with the mystery that is theandric prayer, the prayer of unity with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which makes us mystics of the church living the mystical life. Say, well, those mystics, they're all in monasteries and locked away here and there and living in the holes in the ground and tree trunks and all in the desert. Don't believe that. They're there, but you were baptized. You're chrismated. The Holy Spirit is with you. When you have difficulty, pray, Paul tells us, the Spirit prays in us. For you are the tabernacle of the Most High. And that beautiful heart of yours, 
contains the altar of God. Pay attention to it. Speak to it. Ponder the presence of God within you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the body of Christ. The other thing I want to say about this today, there's so much to be said. We can make a study of John, but the rate I go on, you'd never get through a study of John. It takes a lifetime to study John's gospel. At the end of John chapter 22, Christ is risen, and he's making his 40-day visitation. And those that really have spiritual eyes can see him. And he walks through the door. And Thomas is there. We preached on this a week or two ago. In that, in that meeting, they place our Lord John himself, who's just a teenager, by the way, and some holy women, and Thomas. Thomas witnesses to the physical reality of the resurrection of Christ. And Jesus witnesses in that gospel to who his mother is. And he says it simply. To those standing there, he says, Behold your mother. And to John, he says, Take her into your home. What he's saying is, Take her into your heart, the place where you really live. Then, complete message is complete as far as we can know it. And we know the mind of the Father through the lips of the Son. And John, uh, Tom falls down, Thomas says, I like it in Slavonic. He says, my Lord and my God. Beauty. Beauty, love, peace, which must rest in your heart. Especially the children here, you want to know what to do with your life? Learn to pray in your heart. God will lead you. Consecrate yourself to the Blessed Virgin like Jesus asked for in the John's Gospel, and she will take care of you and all the decisions you have to make. But the biggest thing you have to do is make that your heart beats in tune with the will of God, just like Jesus' heart beat in his, with his mother's heart for nine months. And she carried him and gave birth to him. Let your heart and the heart of God can be together. This is the prayer of John. And you will learn. And you will love. And you will not have fear. The 
holiest desires of your heart will come to you. And you will know what joy is. But do not think joy comes without pain. And do not think that we can always have the joy of God in our heart without realizing suffering. But suffering is healing. And today's gospel, the first gospel, tells us that. He reached out to heal the sick. He could hardly reach them, there were so many. That is all our condition. But eventually, you will have a glorified, beautiful body filled with divine energy in the heavenly kingdom. That starts here. For those who truly fall in love with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and walk with the heartbeat of Christ within them, which requires serious, ascetical living and deep prayer. I congratulate you. I love John. I love each one of you. Not because you're particularly lovable when I look at you, but I know what's going on inside of you. And you are the mystics of God. And the life that's in you is not your own. It is the life of Christ. And the heart that beats in you is not your own. It's a be beating with the love of the Virgin and the love of Christ. And your destiny is glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.